This is Greg Olson here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv, an unmatched dual threat. What up, what up, everybody? This is Double G for the Fight Game Podcast. We're going to do something a little bit different today. Uh, For the first time, somebody other than myself is going to uh, host a segment. So first, we'll talk about payback. I'll give my recap and and sort of my thoughts on the show from tonight. John and I will talk about WCW Saturday Night, August uh, 29th, 1992, And then uh, Justin Nipper will jump on. He interviewed AEW's uh, French language announcer, Norbert Fouillon, and he will sort of end the show. And I'll kind of come back to close things down and such. But uh, yeah, so this will be actually a pretty fun way to to do something a little bit differently. And, uh, And I hope you guys enjoy the interview because Justin, as you know, as you can tell by his writing, very thoughtful person. And uh, you can imagine that uh, interview-wise, he's very much the same way. But uh, before we talk about payback, um, I just want to uh, remind folks about the epilogue episode of the Rocky Podcast, which comes out on Tuesday. So Duan and I wrapping up the entire podcast, our, our summer mini series about the Rocky film franchise. We talk about uh, the uh, best fictional boxers in in the franchise. We talk about our rankings, uh, ranking from top or from bottom to top of of, of how we'd rank all of the films. And then uh, just some tidbits, some nuggets, some news. There's some Rocky Four news that Sylvester Stallone is uh, on Instagram talking about. So that will come out Tuesday evening, Wednesday morning. And it was a fun series for me. I'm, I'm such a fan of that of that film and and that franchise. And so it was uh, it was just awesome to talk about it. Doing is is similarly uh, impa- just passionate about that franchise. And it was fun to do something with doing again. The fabulous four that we did years and years and years ago. Our first attempt at doing a project, and you know we learned a lot of things and. Didn't want to make didn't want to make the same mistakes that we did with that franchise. So a lot of fun, and I love doing stuff with doing. So that'll be out. Uh, there's also, you know, now that we don't have the Rocky podcast to uh, to put as our sort of our third show during the week, I'm going to do something around single interviews with uh, folks who I think are kind of interesting or influencers uh, on on social media with with wrestling or MMA or even boxing. 
and also content creators, so folks who have podcasts. So I, I'm looking to, to do that. I already have uh, Heidi Fang, who is very familiar uh, voice to this show and to this website. She is uh, doing so great with her MMA work and also uh, doing stuff with the, with the Raiders. And I'll bring her on at some point, but uh, I have some other ideas on folks to bring in. So I may not do it every week. We may not have a third show every week, but it's something I think it's going to be pretty fun. There'll be shorter episodes. There'll be, you know, probably closer to 30 minutes than, than the normal show that we do. So if you are someone who wants to kind of get your name out there uh, to a different audience, somebody who's uh, doing some really cool stuff creatively, uh, in in either of the three sports, definitely hit me up, fightgamepod at gmail.com, and we can talk about uh, possibly coming on the show. So lastly, before we get to payback, just the great coverage this week from Robert Silva, uh, Carlos Toro, who wrote a, a really strong piece about how Showtime Boxing is dealing with the pandemic. Uh, and he also wrote about um, Ramirez and Postal, uh, Postal on Saturday night, like literally after the fight was over. He had a he had a short recap that we put up, and then Justin Nipper wrote about KSW, and of course he finished off his uh, Hannah Kamara piece. So really fun stuff on Fight Game Media. Check it out, and uh, yeah, let's talk about Payback. So Payback was a show in which. It really felt like they tried pretty hard to get some people over. And I think, you know, depending on what your thought of how to get somebody over, you may think that they did a, a good job or, or a not so good job. But uh, there, there were three main folks who I think they, they were really focused on making tonight. And the first one is, is Keith Lee. Keith Lee and Randy Orton had a... I wouldn't say it was a really good match. It was a shorter match than than you would imagine. But Keith Lee went over strong. Uh, his gear sucks. His music sucks. So I don't know what they're doing there. But he did get an opportunity to uh, to showcase some of his athleticism, some of those power moves, and he beat Randy Orton with a uh, with a spirit bomb. Randy Orton had given. Lee uh, draping DDT as uh, he was coming back into the ring and then he was kind of setting up for the RKO and Lee reversed it into a spirit bomb and he won clean. So that was, that was I, I thought that was really good. The match could have been a little bit better, but you know you can't really complain when Lee uh, looks strong. The other, the other two matches that I thought they were really attempting to get folks over, or baby faces uh, in particular, Sheamus and Big E. Big E wins with the big ending. I didn't like this match that much because, you know, you see these two super athletic dudes and, and you would think that they would kind of start hot and fast and, you know, maybe it was a little bit of a shorter match because of the ability to, to really just go hard and... You know, two two guys who are are just explosive at times, big, strong, can throw you know some some great shots and punches and clotheslines and forearms. But it was just like it was just a really slow match and uh, lots of leg work from Sheamus, uh, kind of trying to slow down Big E. Big E's comeback consisted of uh, three belly to bellies, um, but then he would get cut off. 
And then, you know, the big, the comeback comes again and, uh, you know, Biggie throws Seamus over the top rope and does his dive, uh, underneath the, the top rope. And then back in the ring, Seamus puts him in an E-bar. So finally, um, Seamus goes for broke kick, big key, Biggie power bombs him and then hits the big ending. So, you know, I, I don't, I don't know about the pace of this like i would have liked to see biggie you know with a little bit more offense so he could showcase a lot of what he's really great at and you know if they're trying to play for the comeback and play with the selling and the emotion like guess what there's no crowd there so it doesn't work quite as well which was my frustration with uh the other match in which they they put somebody over which was matt real beating king corbin but similarly uh, you know, it's mostly Matt Riddle just eating King Corbin's offense and Baron, you know, Baron Corbin, uh, I think he is sort of boring, maybe on purpose. Uh, he loves those, those boos, but guess what? There's no crowd. So I don't know what they're actually playing to here. Um, so, you know, Riddle makes his comeback. No, no, no fans to get really behind this comeback after this kind of long offense from Corbin. Uh, Riddle eventually does hit the bro to sleep and the floating bro to win. Uh, but then he kind of walks in the back and he's just like talking to himself, you know, about to go to the next one or whatever. And then, uh, there's a new, uh, interview or there's a new woman, uh, interviewer in the back. And so she talks to Matt and then he gets jumped by Corbin and put through a table. So I guess this feud has to continue. Another interesting thing is before the match even started, there was a question about a tweet Corbin had made about um, Riddle being something about his home, referencing his home life. So sort of the reality of the situation with him and, uh, and the rumors around uh, possible sexual assault or whatever, why they would bring that up on this show. No earthly idea. Cause there's nothing possibly positive that could come from something like that. Um, Bobby Lashley opened the show. He won with uh, with a full Nelson over Apollo Cruz. Apollo Cruz, it was I don't know. I didn't really like the back and forth of this match really either. Lashley's obviously impressive. I didn't feel that Cruz looked uh, fantastic here, but it was mostly the way that the match ended. So he loses. And uh, the the three heels in MVP, Lashley, and Shelton Benjamin are celebrating. And they're all kind of posing with the belt, taking pictures. And Cruz decides to jump Lashley. And in doing so, it is now one on three. And they beat him and they toss him outside the ring like he's garbage. So he looked like an absolute goober. But he did say he was getting his title back. He gave a nice little uh, Black Panther um, salute to uh, Chadwick Boseman uh, before the match, which was actually kind of cool. Um, and so as we go on the show, I, I kind of went out of order just because I wanted to talk about, you know, what they were trying to do as far as uh, pushing certain guys. Sasha Banks and Bailey versus Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler. Another storyline advancement into Sasha and Bailey, who are still just magnificent. Um the finish, I'll just mostly explain the finish. The match was the match was fun, though. You should check out this match. The finish was uh, Nia getting double teamed, and as she's thrown into the ropes, Shayna tags herself in. Uh, they try to do the um, slowest back body drop on Nia that you'll ever see. Uh, Sasha and Bailey uh, all of a sudden now face off against Shayna. It's kind of like a one-on-two. 
Shayna immediately puts a choke on Bailey. And uh, Sasha tries to interfere. Shayna throws Bailey off, and she's about to put Sasha in the Muda lock. So she kind of throws her to the ground, locks her legs, and she's about to fall back on it. And then Bailey comes back in. So Shayna puts her back in the rear naked and still has her legs locked up with Sasha's. So as she puts the the choke back on Bailey, she just falls back on Sasha. So she's got both of them in the submission. Sasha's trying to fight and, and, and try to pull uh, Shanna off of Bailey to, to break up the submission. But as she, she does, Shanna uses Sasha's arm to then help in, in the choking out of Bailey. And Bailey is the one who taps out. So that's the key to this whole thing is Bailey could not hold out and save the one title that Sasha has left. And Bailey still has her title. And so um, that that is the uh, storyline event. So it was a really cool finish, really cool way to end the match. After the match, Nia Jax was kind of being really goofy about being a champ, and Shayna was trying to be very stoic and and kind of calm, and Nia was, like, dancing in front of the camera with her belt. So I don't know if the idea is that these are the absolute, like, most opposite people who are now the champs. But cool cool thing, you know, I, I'm all for Sasha and Bailey staying together forever, but I get it that they were put together so that they could split them up and have a feud. And um, it'll be fun, I think, but I'm still... I'm still pretty happy with with them as a team. So last two matches here, Buddy Murphy and Seth Rollins versus Rey Mysterio and Dominic. This was a really good match as well. Seth is amazing. I think Seth is probably, at least on the men's side, the, the top the top uh, wrestler as far as the matches. You know, there, there's I mean, there's really strong guys on this roster as well with Drew and randy orton but i think i think seth is just like that little bit extra uh he's he's just such a good wrestler um you know this is kind of the the same sort of uh rhythm of the match with uh, seth and dominic where the baby faces do something but then they're cut off and they're in peril and they look like they're, you know, they look like they're going to lose and then they come back and, you know, they're fighting baby faces. But then Seth will cut them off again because Seth is such, you know, the smart heel. Um, Buddy Murphy was played more as like the guy screwing things up in this match, which led to the finish. Um, the uh, the finish was he, he screws up. As uh, Seth is is gonna gonna do the the buckle bomb to Ray, and at the same time, Buddy is supposed to do the kick to the back of the head, the enziguri kick. And so, as he's about to do it to Ray, uh, Ray reverses it and sends Seth face first into the buckle. So he hits the buckle, and then he hits uh, Murphy's leg as well. Uh, Seth takes takes a tumble outside, and Buddy Murphy is inside the ring. Uh, Ray throws Buddy Murphy into the rope and sets him up for the 619 position. Dominic throws his dad out to the ring or outside the ring and Ray slides on the mat and uh, something happened with Seth that sent Seth into the barricade. And so Dominic hits 619, then he hits the frog splash to win and Seth just glared at Buddy Murphy as he left the ring. And uh, and so that is the uh, that is not the end of the feud because I know they have a match Seth and Ray at Raw and plus Ray has not yet gotten his vengeance yet on Seth so Dominic pinned Buddy Murphy but 
there's probably still something going on with this feud. And finally, we had The Fiend uh, against Braun Strowman and Roman Reigns in a three-way. This was not good. Um, It was confusing. It didn't make any sense whatsoever. But uh, Strowman, so The Fiend comes out first, super long entrance. Strowman jumps him before the match could even start and gets like a quick pinfall on him. And I'm thinking like, um, is there three people in this match? How can the match actually start when only two guys are there? So they're doing like the same match from SummerSlam, which if you watch that match, that is not the match to, uh, to mirror. And finally they get back in the ring after being outside the ring, going up the ramp on the stage, just you know doing nonsense stuff that didn't matter any sort of way they get back in the ring and Braun Strowman goes to the top rope he's struggling to get up there the fiend catches him does a superplex and as he hits this superplex as we've seen several times before the ring collapses so uh it gets kind of lopsided the ropes fall and uh you know you'll ever I think the the famous one at least in WWE the famous one is uh, Brock Lesnar and and Big Show And so that happens, and right when the ring collapses, here comes heel Roman Reigns. He's got his contract, he's got a chair, Paul E's coming down with him, and then he signs the contract to enter the match, which, again, really stupid, because how can the match even start if if he's not in it? And so he comes down, he covers the Fiend, who is kind of knocked out from the superplex, uh, two count, covers Braun, two count, he, I think he had covered the Fiend again, two count. Blast Braun with the chair. Braun kicks out, goes to hit the Fiend with the chair. Fiend puts him in the mandible claw. Roman kicks him low to break it up. And um, uh, as he kicks him low, the Fiend kind of rolls outside the ring. Back inside, Roman sizes up Strowman, hits the spear, and pins him to win the Universal title. And, uh, you know, ends with heel Roman Reigns as the new champion for the belt that he never lost. So, um, depending on sort of what you're look, what you were looking for, I thought SummerSlam was a much better show though. This show did set up stuff for, for TV. Uh, they're going to do another pay-per-view on September 27th, Clash of Champions. It just, I, I outside of the Roman Reigns thing, which I get, um, you know, they, they wanted him back on TV. They wanted him to, to be in, in a main event spot. The rest of this show could have probably been done pretty darn well over the next two weeks of TV. And so I don't know if this was a necessary pay-per-view. Probably wasn't outside of the Roman Reigns thing. Um, but, you know, that's just the way that they, they, they decided to do it. All right, before we get to the uh, second segment, which is John and I talking about WCW Saturday night, let's go to a quick break. You've counted on restaurants. Now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Now, 
I have a lot of uh, experience with DoorDash. I think DoorDash has been really like the one of the killer apps for uh, me and my family because, you know, you can't really go anywhere currently. And, you know, so we're using the app when, you know, when we're not making food at home. Uh, DoorDash has been clutch for us. So, you know, they, they are doing everything that they can to make it as safe as possible too. you know, choose from all of your favorite national restaurants and many of your local restaurants are on there for delivery too. just open the app and select your favorite spot and your food is on the way. So right now our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more. When you download the DoorDash app and enter code BLUEWIRE, that's $5 off your uh, off your order and zero delivery fees when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget, that's BLUEWIRE for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Yeah, I, I can't say enough about DoorDash. It's been such a savior for us. Um, and, you know, we, we probably use them more than most. But, you know, when you when there's good service, uh, you know, you should utilize them. All right, John, I usually save our WCW reviews as the last segment on the show. But on this show, we are going to it's the first segment after the intro. And the reason is, is because we are going to uh, play the uh, Justin Nipper interview uh, right at the end here. So we'll lead off with our WCW Saturday Night Review from the August 29th, 1992 episode, which is the Clash of the Champions Go Home. And one of the things that was kind of interesting about this show is how short it was. Now, we were talking about it. We're not sure if there was something cut out of it because last week's show was uh, 41, 42 minutes. This week's show is only 35 minutes, so I'm not exactly sure. Like, you, you can't really put 25 minutes of commercials in a show. So they, they either cut something out or maybe it was like a 45-minute show when it ran uh, for, the, for the first time. Uh, yeah, it was... I gotta do some research in this because I was just like thinking, why is it 35 freaking minutes? But it was a fun 35. I liked it. Yeah, I liked it. It was it was uh, it was quick and some good stuff on it. Some great promo and um, a unique babyface babyface match that I liked. I wish it was a little bit longer and yeah, yeah. I had a good time. I am so looking forward to this eight man elimination tag, and I don't even remember what happens. Like I'm sure I saw this show in full. I don't I don't remember what happens, but I remember. I'm like, I'm looking forward to this match just based off the build. Like it's 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 pretty exciting build to this match. And I'm also looking forward to uh, Cactus and Ron Simmons. I remember I remember it, and um, I know you know I, I remember the, the finish of it. But I wanted I I want to see it didn't stand out to me, but I want to see how I look, how I like it now. So I'm looking forward to rewatching the Clash 20. And um, I, I remember Steamboat. And of course, Austin was really good. So yeah, it's interesting, and we'll get to this in a second, but. Cactus Jack is the title contender for this uh, Clash of the Champions that's upcoming. But he's the one who interviews Big Van Vader. <laughs> I mean, uh, Jake the Snake. It yeah. Was kinda, yeah. Well, like, he kind of took a second a back step to Jake, and he's the one that's uh, fighting Ron. So I thought that was kind of weird. Yeah, it was a little bit weird, but, you know, Jake's the bigger star, and that's what they're building to. The, the big match is, you know, him versus Sting, which we'll see what happens there. <laughs> So, so Bill Watts says at the beginning of the show that Brad Armstrong 
is scheduled to be at the Clash, but if he doesn't make it in a wrestling capacity, they're going to have to do a tournament uh, instead. And so Brad will come out later and do a promo. The dude's still on crutches. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm like, wait. So he's still in crutches and you have not canceled the match yet. Like what's, this is really weird to me. It's like, well, he's like, he's, he's given him a, a chance because he said, but he said in his promo that Brad said he'll be ready. He's, you know, but he's, you know, so he's given him that, that chance to make it. If not, then they're gonna have to strip and like do a tournament. Okay. And then the first match and man, Sting was, Sting had so much fire here. He was so charismatic. Sting and Nikita Koloff versus Pat Rose and Rick Thames. Really fun babyface squash. Nikita wins with the sickle. I just watched this Sting, and I'm like, man, like where is that guy in wrestling today when it comes to the charisma and the ability for just fans to just get behind everything mm-hmm. that he possibly does? Yeah, that cool factor. Yeah, I mean, he, he just he just comes out, ball energy, you want to root for the guy. You know, Nikita's cool, too. Like, Nikita has a vibe to him, and I like the squash match. His match was good. You know, Pat Rose has still got it, you know, bumping all over the place and looking, making the stuff look really good, and, you know, the, the finish was quick. I like the, I like the combo finish of the uh, Stinger Splash into the Sickle. I thought that was pretty, pretty dope. And then I, I wrote after when they did their little uh, their little interview. Like I mean, it, it, I don't even remember what they said, but just the the way that that Sting you know got excited, I was just like, wow. And Nikita's like, I, I, now I do remember something. Nikita's like, oh yeah, what if what if we're two on one and mm-hmm. you know or whatever. Every but, every multi, uh, elimination match builds, right? It's like yeah. well, there could be a four on one, there could be a three on one. It's just every. It's like Survivor Series for years is like oh, built yeah. on that oh, promo, yeah. right? Oh yeah. And I, I like that. I like also that Jim Ross is like explaining the rules. If they had just called it a Survivor Series match, everyone would have been like, "Yeah, we get it, dude. Can't do that. Stop. Can't do that." <laughs> um. So yeah. So I, I'm. I was pretty excited after this. Um. Watts says that because of the attack in Baltimore, Jake was fined twenty five thousand dollars. Cactus, for his part of it, was fined five thousand. And Sting wasn't fined, but they warned him. And they said, from here on out, if anybody rushes the ring from the announcer's booth, they are also going to be fined. Because of the outcome, right? Because he was attacked and the severity of the injury that he suffered after when Jake Roberts interfered. But that's BS, man. He got fined Sting something. At least a grand. Come on, man. And donate to charity, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, So they talked about the top rope rule. Now, this is interesting, the way that Watts worded this. So, they're going to do a poll yes. on whether or not the fans want the top rope rule to be in existence. And Watts said, we will take the poll into consideration. Yeah. It's like, okay, why do I want to vote then? Yeah, yeah. But it's, it's, it doesn't... 
it, it it's it's funny I, I know the best part was when like they talk when jim ross talks about brings it up the su- brings the subject up the top rope rule <laughs> bill watts has a little smirk on his face like yeah i know it's stupid and you're all on me for it but we'll, <laughs> we'll, rect- we'll rectify it soon but yeah he just kind of had a chuckle i could just see it in his eyes like oh yeah that damn top, top rope rule that everyone's bearing me about you know from the observer to the pw torch right and the, all the hardcore fans are just going crazy about uh, Jimmy Jobby Garvin oh, comes out man. against the Barbarian. Jimmy, I, I, uh, catering Jimmy Garvin. I, you know, I, I used to, I would say back in 87 is when I really, I don't remember. I mean, maybe, maybe a little bit in 86, but I wasn't really watching a ton of NWA in like 86. It was definitely 87 where I really got into the Jimmy Garvin character and uh you know then the idea you're jimmy and ronnie related what's 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 going on here but this guy he comes out even in his uh in his this version of jimmy where you know he he's going to eat a big boot for a quick pin he still comes out like he's a free bird so at least he's got the entrance down and he's still he's feeling himself but then by the time the bell rings he's just got to eat a big boot and uh, barbie wins with the big boot yeah, yeah, I kind of remember him being there that long. I remember PSAs as a manager soon, um, and he's I, doing the announcing for the other event. show. Yeah, yeah. Um, so just yeah, he's still coming out there. He did a good job though. I mean, he put over Barbarian. So like I said, they have a lot of respect for Watts and stuff. Yeah, me too. Like Jimmy Garvin, I don't. I remember. I remember him. My first exposure to him was. I almost thought it was two different guys because I I remember remember ESPN used to have the Legends of World Class show. Mm-hmm. And they would show like older shows of like, you know, not current world class. They do something too, but mostly it was like older matches. So I saw some of the David Arnold and Eric stuff with him and, you know, him and Precious. And she was such a, like a classy valet. Yeah. But then I remember like 89 is really everything kind of flipped the switch for me. And I was like, just had this, I was salivating over everything in wrestling. And I remember like he re- became, he was the mystery free bird. Mm-hmm. And I was like, is the same Jimmy Garvin because this one's much muscular now. Like he, <laughs> he found a little bit of the uh, creatine, and uh, so I remember then. But I, I like I always liked Jimmy Garvin the Freevers, but then he just kind of like they just kind of both blew up. You know that mm-hmm. they kept drinking a little too much and they didn't care anymore. But uh, but also I think Jimmy retires. I know he does stuff in '93 on the Indies in Texas. He does something for the Carrie Von Eric Memorial Show and. And then he comes back in 94 for Super Brawl for a match with Johnny B. Bad. But he was like flying planes by then, you know. He was mm-hmm. already, so he was he was winding down his career. He'd been wrestling for a long time. So this is the segment where uh, Cactus interviews Jake. Jake doesn't want Shivani to interview him. So instead, he's got Cactus. Cactus is in like hmm. boxer shorts and tube socks with no shoes on, yeah, sit, yeah. cross-legged. I I didn't. I was like, what's like? Why? Like, I don't, and he didn't explain it. I, we're supposed to think Cactus is like this slobby guy or something. Well, I think it's like the opposite. And like Shivani would be in a in a suit, right? Mm-hmm. But here you have Cactus, and like you said, the boxers is. His tube socks showing, and he's just. Uh, but this is great stuff. This is this is the highlight of the show. It was awesome. Yeah, they talk to talk about Sting, and they start talking about Dustin, who isn't in that match, 
So I thought this was kind of interesting. Uh, they're talking about Dusty. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and so, you know, Jake is just tremendous. Cactus is really good, too. Mick is Mick is excellent as, uh, like, like, an interviewer. And, and, just, and, and Giddy to talk to, like, a person he looks up to. Mm-hmm. Like, the excitement in Cactus Jack's vo- voice when he's interviewing this, uh, his... A, a guy he idolizes as this other sadistic human being, you know, that yeah. he's worshipped. It's just great. Yeah. And then they show an old match or footage, uh, end of an end of a uh, match from 1984, with Jake against Terry Ellis hits a DDT and just basically kneels on this dude's chest for the pin. With uh, this Paul Ellering in his corner, right? Yeah, because he's a part of Legion of Doom. Yeah, so uh, kind of they're they're in a sense they're promoting that Clash Twenty is going to have like you know it's it, it's it's about you know the twenty years twenty years of, TV, years of, of yeah. TV on TBS. So, yeah. uh, so then yeah, that was, I thought that's pretty cool. And Austin and Paulie do an interview before the Ricky Steamboat and Tom Zink match that you had mentioned, Babyface versus Babyface. Paulie is uh, on the call with JR. So this match was interesting because, you know, Babyface versus Babyface, we don't really see that that much. We just, all of a sudden, it just becomes, you know, Gorilla Monsoon would say, oh, it's going to be a technical match now. And... It kind of was, but it was kind of, it was like a, it, 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 you wouldn't call it a squash, but Ricky won very quickly and won so much that like, I just, it was almost like Tom Zink didn't even want to kick out of the, the, the superplex or whatever. He didn't even fight like to, he's just like, uh, just lay down this, we gotta get this match over. We were short on time. Probably wasn't, yeah, here. he's probably wasn't too happy not just doing a job that it was going to be a, it wasn't going to be a long match, but yeah, they could have had a really good match if it was longer, um. But, you know, like it was a unique match. I don't even remember this match. So I was like, oh, wow. And it was so short. It was kind of cool to see Steamboat win with a fisherman suplex. Yeah. Um, and hold the pin there the, with the bridge. That was cool. But, uh, yeah, I, w- I would love to see those guys. I think I'm sure if they wrestled uh, a longer match, I'm sure Zink would kind of heal on Steamboat a little bit in, the, in during, the, during the middle of the match and all that kind of stuff. Like, you know, those Bayface, Bayface matches kind of break down like that. But... Um, I wanted more for them because I like Sink and I like Steamboat, um, but it was it was, a, it was a, but I also like the fact that like Watts was good at this like in the minutes out too like every once in a while the Bayface is Russell Bayface because you know why is it always just heel Bayface mm-hmm. you know you just can't do it all the time because it's really not a lot of heat with Bayface Bayface obviously but but for credibility of if this is gonna be sport like yeah this should be a time where Tom Zink crosses past the Rick Steamboat. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Brad Armstrong comes out, like we said, he's still on the crutches or on the single crutch. Things aren't looking too good for my guy come Clash of Champions. Uh, Brian Pillman comes out and he does this promo where he's sort of psychologically trying to get Armstrong to maybe go into the ring if he's not 100% by saying that he's such a fighting champion. I know that he'll be there. I know that he'll do his best to get in the ring because that's what champions are made of and stuff like that. So I thought that was kind of, it was a really kind of a cool way because uh, Armstrong's kind of like, he's watching it and he's going like, okay, but then when Pillman left, he's like, uh, you know, you know he's he's a good guy to come and shake my hand and and stuff. But you could tell like there was a little bit of maybe just a, a tiny, tiny, tiny bit of static there between the two of them. Yeah, yeah, and it, and cool. It, and it leads into the clash, which is which is great too from Pillman. More more fun from Pillman. I like this segment, and I remember just being. 
I mean, as a kid, I thought this match is happening, right? Even if he was on a truck, I thought, oh, they're still going to get it, right? I didn't, and, and then, of course, we'll see what happens on our next review. But I was just looking back. I just remember being so bummed for Brad because this is like a big moment. And, you know, he's always was a kind of like he a mid-card baby face. He was mm-hmm. mostly doing jobs and winning squash matches, but losing to, you know, the higher guys and the higher heels in the card. He was like, he had a, a, sh- a crappy gimmick, the, the candy man, right? Mm-hmm. That was that he had to work through. Um, but he's always quality in the ring. He's from, from, from his early on in his career. And, and, um, once again, condolences to the Armstrong family, um, the passing of the, the you know, of, of, uh, a bull Bob, um, such a huge loss. So, um, and you know, just, that's, that's, man, that freaking bums me out, man. Just, just sucks. I know he lived a long life and he, he enjoyed it a lot with his boys and and I believe that. I mean, I'm sure I don't, I don't, I don't know how many if he had any daughters or anything, but I know a lot of grandkids and um, I know it must have been hard for him to lose Brad so early, right? Mm-hmm. Go through all that. He just lost. We just lost their wife to cancer, you know, a, a month ago or two months ago, right? It was recently, and you know. I'm, and he was sick too, and it's probably just one of those, you know, not only the the illness he had, but maybe part of a little bit of a broken heart, which you know, yeah. But uh, condolences to the Armstrong, the great Armstrong family. Like one of my, like I said, on Thursday or on Friday morning on our podcast, um, one of my favorite wrestling families. You talked about more actually because they were so great. Um. Okay. So Big Van Vader against Scott Allen. He hits two middle rope splashes. Won't pin him, and then he power bombs him to win. He was a little light on that power bomb. Didn't destroy the guy like in some of the other ones we've seen. And all the like, he's so inconsistent. Like sometimes he kills a guy. Sometimes he just you know, lays a guy nicely down. So he was in a good mood, I guess. I guess. Uh, Ron Simmons. It dapper Ron Simmons comes out in his suit. He's he's out to do color for the for the rude match. Rude comes out and basically he wants Ron. Like this is kind of interesting because um you know the Ron's got to go through Cactus and then uh he's got to go through so wait after Cactus the cuz the Halloween Havoc is is Barbarian. Yeah. And then was Rude supposed to happen after that? Uh, it could have been a house show thing too. Okay, because because rude rude very well, much in just Starcade, every promo. Star K ninety two was the original okay, match. So, so yeah, got so, hurt with the so next. Then, so. so then the next pay per view. Yeah, um, yeah, because rude rude keeps his name in the mix. Like nobody in the in the commentators when they're talking about contenders for Ron, you know, they're talking about Sting, they're talking about Vader, they're talking about Cactus, and Rude's like, no guys, don't like I'm I'm there too. Don't forget about me. And so, uh, you know, he, he comes in and then he does a quick match with Chris Sullivan. Talk about having to get out quick. Uh, quick rude awakening to end the show. And that leads us to uh, to the clash. Yeah. I, what do you think about Ron with the suits and everything? I like it, man. I, I think it was, you know, they didn't... His promos think, weren't great as a babyface, but he he looked great. He, yeah, he looked like a champion. That's, that's the idea. Like, I think a lot of people would be like, no, you have to dress, you know... Like, you know, from the streets and all, you know, be that kind of guy, you know. But no, I, I like that he's like showing the young, you know, black kids coming up like, hey, you know, you work hard, all this stuff. Like, you know, you could, you know, you can accomplish things, you know, you don't have to be stuck where you're at. You can get out of it by doing the right things. I, I, 
God, I just wish Ron Simmons would have worked out as champion. Well, better, better. Well, I mean, that was kind of when I, I think it was, was a few weeks ago on our show when we were talking about after Keith Lee won the title and like his promo, he's wearing like NXT basketball shorts and like his own t-shirt. And I was like, Ugh. like, I, or, I just wished he looked a l- like, like I wanted him to look a little more, a little sharper, a little bit more cool. Or like Jim Ross calling them pride and powerful thugs. Right. Like that kind yeah, of that's stuff. Not, yeah. I'm not, I'm not down with that. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I was like, I, I like what Wass was going for with Ron Simmons. I like, I especially like, I just wish it would have caught fire and I wish they would have, just booked him better, has some because Watts was on like he could see something. He saw where they're in Atlanta, right? Dominant like black community, right? He saw the people at center stage were, you know, remember Hogan showed up, they're like, okay, we can't, you know, we need to put some plants in here with, you know, these executive looking people in the audience. But like, no, Watts didn't he saw what was that audience in live in that studio. Like Ah, man, it's just one of the, I always look at this Ron Simmons reign and just be, I always think about that. Like, it should have been better. It should have been bigger than it is. And it just sucks that they didn't really capture that momentum of August 2nd. The other thing is, is he, he is the champion, but it's still pretty clear that Sting mm-hmm. is the top mm-hmm. guy. And, you know, the champion, it's hard for the champion sitting in the shadow of the top guy to, to be as successful because the fans just fans just love sting so much. And, you know, I, I do wonder if, um, if his first program is with Vader and he, and he actually goes over Vader on a, on a big television match, whether it's at the clash or, or at the pay-per-view, I wonder if that happens. And then he moves on to some of these other contenders and then he has the match with sting. Then we're probably talking about a different title run for him. Yeah, yeah, and, I, and even Cactus technically is not a strong challenger because the last always big match, loses. Yeah, he lost a Sting in a non-title match at the Beach Blast, and I know they tried to, you know, put out there the storyline is like you know he he softened up Sting for Vader, right? And, and you know he Sting was right for the pickings, but I mean it didn't really play out that way. So, um, you know, I, I think if they would have done something where like. This match at Clash maybe was had some kind of wild stipulation because they had a TV match already that was wild and crazy and and you know and it led to some kind of big stipulation match. Uh, Barbarian just wasn't a guy that I mean you can have him big boot people all all day for weeks, but you know he's just people are gonna remember from WWF TV that he was just a, a mid card heel and you know never was in the main event situation there. So I don't know who I would put in at well. It could have been it could have been rude if they didn't have him waste his time with the NWA World Title. Like rude at Halloween Havoc could have been a, a good thing. I still think Starcade Sting versus Ron Simmons would have been a big match. Um, but you know Sting was busy with King of Cable. You know they had a great finals. It's just he's wrestling for a trophy that means nothing. They really, there was one King of Cable tournament champion. You know they never followed that up. <laughs> so I mean I mean and if. The momentum's there with Ron. You can put him over Sting in, 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 in Atlanta at the Omni over... And Sting wouldn't be hurt by that. It would just only elevate Ron. Sting is, is a gimmick, and he's fine to, to lose here and there. And, and you know, he just feud with someone else, and, and he'd be okay. Yeah, and the, the only other thing that we didn't mention was um, Eric Watts was in the audience. 
<laughs> we, for, we had we had Jim Ross's daughters last week. <laughs> so who's gonna show up next week? To, <laughs> Teddy Long's kids or something. <laughs> Teddy Long was good. I like Teddy Long, man. I always I loved his as a manager. I, I loved him as the manager of Doom. I liked his I liked his baby I like Bayface Tay Long. I didn't like when he was Bayface Tay Long managing the job crew of like Ice Train and uh, Joe Gomez and Renegade and all these uh, Craig Pittman, right? Like but uh, I liked him here as like talking about the community, talking about what they're you know, they're gonna be signing autographs here, like huh. I always like Teddy. He's he's a cool dude. All right, let's talk about an, another sponsor here, the NFL uh, Sunday ticket package. This is uh, this is another really cool uh, service, especially if you're. I mean, obviously, if you're a football fan, but uh, if you're a fan of a team and you are not in the same city or same local market as that team, uh, Sunday Ticket is so clutch. Uh, you could stream every live out of market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices plus red zone and direct tv fantasy zone channels never miss your favorite teams and players i've how did i get stuck with four fantasy football leagues uh this year direct tv's uh, fantasy zone channel is going to be clutch for me no matter where you live nfl sunday ticket.tv is your key to the most glorious sundays ever use promo code blue wire at checkout to get 15% off your subscription, visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. All right, now let's take it to the interview that Justin did with Norbert Fouillon. And it uh, should be a pretty fun little deal. And then I will come back to end the show. Okay, hi. It's Justin from FightGameMedia.com. Today I'm here with French language commentator for AEW and New Japan Pro Wrestling, Norbert Fuyong, is that okay? You're doing great. Better than most English speaking people. Oh, thank you very much. Thanks for taking the time to do this today. Thank you for having me on the show. It's a real pleasure and honor. Thanks. Let's get started talking about your background. Let's talk about your background in announcing and talk about your background in pro wrestling and how those kind of came together. So I, uh, I uh, pretty much wanted to do this my entire life. I, uh, started watching wrestling in France. I was uh, five or six years old, can remember exactly, but it's been, it's been 30 years. Time flies, man. Mm-hmm. Um, I bas- basically wanted to be Ray Rougeau, who was the French announcer of WWF. That's right. Fabulous um, one. Yes, a really underrated professor as well. I mean, the were fantastic. They were fabulous. They were wonderful. Yes, I'm a really big fan of Jacques. In the yeah, he was a great wrestler. So uh, I wanted to do that, and mm-hmm. then uh, there was no opportunity because wrestling in France is not no, it's niche product. It's uh, that's right. The promotions are there's no up until there was a big wave of pro wrestling fans when it was on TV in France in the nineties. Mm-hmm. Not as big as the one that we got in two thousand five, two thousand six, but. Nobody could ever think of seriously having a career in pro wrestling. It, it's not like soccer or any other sports or whatever, because uh, there are no real wrestling schools. There were no uh, important wrestling shows promoted by French promotions at the time. The peak of pro wrestling in France was in the 70s and the 80s for the French promotions, but no, in the 90s, early 2000s, it was not, not that big at all. So. And then I uh, started uh, the first, the very first um, 
wrestling podcast in France. Mm-hmm. And I got noticed by a friend, somebody who became a friend of mine who uh, started his own promotion and he wanted me to be the ring announcer. It was in 2009. I got noticed by uh, more promoters and they hired me. Uh, so I started, yeah, 10 years ago, 11 years ago as a ring announcer. And uh, then I um, saw a TV station in France, cable station called Manga, who were to air Dragon Gate in France. So they had hmm. a they had a casting, and I passed and succeeded. And I've been I did Dragon Gate for two years, hmm. 2011, 2013, and that's how it started. Basically, I uh, did a bit of Ring of Honor on national TV mm-hmm. for a few months, and uh, then New Japan on cable television, and now um, Dynamite. For AW, it uh, yeah, it's uh, always fun to reminisce about how it got started. It was pure luck, but that's cool though. And let's talk about Dragon Gate real quick. How was that? You did two years, and that was at a pretty prime time for Dragon Gate too. It was uh, so we started doing Dragon Gate. It was 2011, but we were really late on schedule. We were like a year and a half late. Oh, okay. Um, Probably because the program was cheaper because it was older. I think that was the, the and, and, and people really didn't care about that, you know, the fact that it was one year and a half um, of difference in time. But cool. Because it was the, it was not the first time there was an alternative to WWE. Um, but this one was special because Dragon Gate is really different. And um, people enjoyed it no matter what because the style was so, you know, flashy and spotty and fun. And um, it was a really, it was at the time where it was very successful. It was um, the height of Sima and Narukidoi and Mazato Yoshino and Dragon Kid, Shingo, Baby Hulk, Yamato. So um, it, we witnessed the debuts of guys like Ricochet and Pac on TV. They were instant sensation with our fans. Um, it was a, uh, very easy learning experience as far as being a broadcast announcer, because you had nothing, nothing much to do. Like the action spoke for itself. Hmm. There was nothing really to explain. We just had to be funny on the air and it was awesome. It was really comfortable, really easy. And that launched me definitely launched my career. Wow. That's really cool. So from Dragon Gate, you went to Ring of Honor for a little bit. Yeah. How was that? I was, uh, weird. It was really weird because it wasn't prime time on Wednesday, on Friday nights. Okay. So that's pretty big spot, um, huh. slot, I should say, pretty, pretty big slot. And it didn't last. It lasted for, I think, four months in my recollection. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem is the station at the time didn't want to buy shows from elsewhere. They wanted to produce everything. So we got cut and the viewership was pretty good, but it was not what they wanted to be promoting mainly on the station uh, at the moment. So we got cut uh, and it was weird because that was a really serious alternative to WWE programming on TV, but the production values are already different at the time. And we go out there, it didn't look as good as WWE. The wrestling was good, but I think that many people who were really used to WWE on TV could not, you know, get used to that new style, a purest form of wrestling, and they wanted, you know, big stars and entertainment and 
good looking shows and Ring of Honor at the time was not, it looked good, didn't look crappy or anything, but it was different. It was really different. And uh, I think four months is too short to be, you know, uh, to, to, to have people get used to it, I think. And uh, it was the first show that I commentated with my uh, current broadcast partner who's doing AEW with me. He had never done commentating before. So that was, yeah, that was a learning experience for him and for both of us as a team. So I value, I value dearly that period of my career because it started pretty much what we are doing today. Uh, but it's a very frustrating experience because four months is, is really short and I thought we had the good thing going. That was a, that was a pretty serious bump in the road for us. In France, did you have a TNA on TV there? Yes, for uh, for a good number of years. I don't know because I didn't watch, to be honest. Mm. Uh, um, yes, it lasted on cable television for a few years, and it just stopped. I don't know why. I have no contact with you know the station or TNA or whatever. So, was yes. it popular? Not really. In my yeah. in my estimation, in my estimation, I. Uh, Maybe I didn't follow the right people on social media. Maybe I didn't really look for the information myself. Hmm. Um, doesn't look to me as it, it was not as popular as it is in the UK. Uh, right. Yeah. That's why I was wondering. It got pretty popular in the UK, especially around yes. the time that you were doing, you started doing mm -hmm. commentary. Yeah. So, no. so I cannot, I cannot answer that properly. Well, so. maybe that's it. No, it's okay. Because that's a good way to, we were talking about it last night. We we're talking about um, the difference between the, UK and German wrestling scene, the kind of divide and how France is in its own bubble because uh, French media, that's people like French mm -hmm. stuff first and everything else is, that's going to be more niche. Like Th that's WWE. true. Yes, there's no real uh, France, France will, will do France, Germany will do Germany, the UK will do UK. That's, mm -hmm. There's no such things as a European scene. Um, if it's TV or the actual pro wrestling taking place in those countries. Um, there's no real, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, connections. There are connections, but there's no unity. Right. There's no alliance between any... Uh, between some know. indie promotions, there are. I know W, the XW are doing shows with another French... A promotion called the APC, uh, but that's about it. Honestly, just a business thing, really. Business, Not, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, the language barrier is in France. It's really important. The language barrier. Yeah, uh, we were surprised to um, of how many people need a um, French commentary team to watch AEW. Yeah, we thought at the beginning that most people would you know watch illegally on the internet, whatever, you know, or right. on fight in English, but they don't. Uh, they really need a uh, French team to commentate on the product. I don't know if it's the case in Germany, but there's no crossover. That's what I wanted to say. Yeah, that's the word I was looking for. I see. Let's yeah. talk about that. Let's talk about AEW. How did you get involved with it? So AEW is on Toonami in France, which is not the same Toonami as the Adult Swim, Toonami in the United States, although they're both under Warner Media. Yes, they're <laughs> still tied together in France. When okay. Toonami stops uh, in the night, they, uh, Adult Swim starts. 
when they mm. when Tsunami stops. So, um, yeah, they are a, uh, a a station that in the beginning were to air only animes and cartoons, uh, but they were not not meant for children particularly. But they got categorized as a children station, station for children, um, and they try to move away from this categorization by people and media and journalists. So they um, wanted something, you know, to appeal to uh, an older audience. And AEW and Warren Media, they, uh, well, when my broadcast partner is also the producer of the French version of Dynamite, and he's also my agent, he's, he's doing everything. He's the real key to this. Um, he was trying to, he got in touch with someone in AEW and he said, I want to, to air a French version of Dynamite. Is it okay? And they said, yes, but they preferred uh, that if that's possible, that it would stay within the Warren Media networks. Mm. So Toonami accepted and that's how it got going. Yeah. And that was right when they started? or are, So are you guys on a schedule the same as in North America? Or are you guys delayed at all? We are pretty much the same. We are, uh, we are six days late. We are on okay. six-day delay. But we started, I think, months after they started. But we aired uh, the first shows that we couldn't air when the negotiations were still ongoing and Dynamite started. Mm-hmm. We aired them in full length on the YouTube channel of Toonami. So that we wanted to make up for the, for, yeah. Okay. Is, so how is, uh, right now there's this a schedule issue for, with the NBA and what happened earlier today with NBA. Certain teams went on strike and the games were canceled. Mm-hmm. So have you gotten any word from that or is, are you just going to delay uh, air on a delay or it will not affect our slot our uh, tuesday oh, okay. time slot at all because we can record record as soon as the show is over when it's taped we uh, record our our show days sometimes before it airs in the us um and when it's live we record it a few hours later so that will not affect um, our programming at all okay so let's keep talking about AEW, though. We were talking yesterday about the younger guys and the kind of uh, the market, the crowd that's watching AEW in France. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty, it's young. It's uh, teenagers to, I don't know, maybe 30s. I don't, what would you say? Exactly. I don't have the numbers. I was just told uh, that uh, it's a very male audience, mm-hmm. uh, under 35. That's what I heard. My guess would be, would be 1535 or 1845, whatever. So mm-hmm. um, it's really male. Uh, I'm surprised how many women uh, comment on social media for AEW. That's, uh, that was my biggest surprise um, to, uh, because when I was young, wrestling was just, I didn't know any girl that would watch wrestling. Right. And now, uh, maybe thanks to the WWE programming that uh, a few years ago was like, uh, a big, big success in France, a real big success. And it gathered a lot of fans, um, male, female. And today I'm surprised at how many female comment on social media. But what Tunami said to me is that uh, on TV, um, what the numbers they have indicate towards a male audience younger than 35 years old. Mm-hmm. Mm. How So uh, talking about the product itself and talking about what those younger guys, and it looks like guys like, Mm. What, what, in France, who are the most popular talents 
And do you think it's a kind of a parallel to like North American fans and, or do, is it totally different? What's it like? I think that um, the fact that it's a fresh product, that to, to people that are not experts in pro wrestling, it kind of looks the same as WWE, but it's different. You know what I mean? Like it looks fresher, uh, cooler and brighter. Yeah. Maybe more authentic. Hmm. Um, and um, from what I see on social media, the wrestlers that are the most, that drive the, mo- the, mo- the, the most reactions would be, of course, Chris Jericho, because he's been on French TV for decades now. Right. Um, Chris Jericho, MJF, mm-hmm. uh, and Moxley. The, those are three guys that I think of um, that are a, a drive in the social media. And as far as younger stars go, MJF's pretty young, but I go with, yeah, maybe the Young Bucks. The Young Bucks are pretty popular as well. Yeah. The Young Bucks and Lucha Brothers are the four guys I can think of now that are, and Darby, of course, Darby, Darby Allin. Darby Allin, you know, he, everybody can like Darby Allin. So girl, boy, young, old. Uh, those are the guys I'm thinking up top of my head right now. Hmm. Um, I think they like it because there's something new going on. It's not just Jericho and the rest. It's Jericho, um, the star, Max Lee, MJF, top guys, you know, and uh, there's a great platform with good wrestling and fun promos. It's a real challenge to be the translator for some promos sometimes because you have to, uh, you have to be faithful to the tone. It's really hard because AEW, I think, is the best promotion for promos in the world. To to me, they're awesome. Uh, And I think that people laugh and people like good wrestling when they watch Dynamite in France. So, I think it's a winning combo. That's why young people like it a lot. Okay, you're talking about promos. Can you give us any examples of what you're talking about? Kind of when you had to translate the nuance. And you tra- mm-hmm. like MJF or, or anybody that comes to mind. Does anything come to mind maybe in the past couple months? Uh, the thing that comes to mind that some people are really hard to translate than others. Matt Hardy is... A short, <laughs> like it's really hard because I cannot do like all the voices like he does because right. that would turn the show into such a mess. Like <laughs> if you can hear Matter go, oh, 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 and if I go, oh, 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 over him, people were like just gonna create something like really disturbing in the years. So my heart is hard. Um, Cody's heart for another reason is that his English is really, I don't know how to say it in English, he speaks a really, really good English with. Complicated, complicated words. You know what I mean? Uh, it's not like John Moxley who speaks like a really simple English to understand. MGF simple to understand, but Cody sometimes is. Uh, he's like a Nick Bockwinkle. He's kind of eloquent. Yeah. His, yeah, his really longer sent, sentences, yeah. more word uses. John Moxley is more of action hero, right? Exactly. Simple, yeah, yeah. just <laughs> comes in, hits something really hard. Simple concise sentences, bounces out, that's him. And they're mm. both great, right? Mm. Yeah, they're, they're different, yeah. They're, they're great. And uh, in France, there's something with the announcers. There's that idea in France that the announcers have to be the star of the show. It's not like in the US or I don't know how it is in Germany or Spain, whatever. But there's that idea for the stations that the announcers are the stars of the show. 
that I and my broadcast partner, partner should be the stars. We have to make people laugh or it won't work. Um, that's really hard because when I start Dragon Gate, first day, there's the, uh, I think, one of the big shots of the station and the AB group who came to me and said, yeah, you got to be stars on the show. You got to make people laugh. Uh, that is because the French announcers for WWE, they carried for 20 years the whole show, bad, good or bad, and they're really funny and they created their own bubble. Um, people watch WWE, not for WWE. They, they do watch for WWE, but many people watch for the announcers. And it was such a success that the stations that not air the pro wrestling in France want the announcers to be as funny as them and create bubble, a whole universe. But that's not my way of working at all. Because when the I was starting Dragon Gate, I was like, yeah, maybe it's my first day, but I want to be the star of the show. I want to be the guy who promotes the guy's wrestling and tell people that they're the stars of the show. And with AW, I swore myself that I would never, ever, you know, uh, take the, the, the spotlight away from the product. But by chance, I happened to stumble upon funny things that I said that caught on on social media. And sometimes with Britt Baker is on, I have to, you know, modify my voice and sound like a, you know, cliche, bitchy woman. Um, Can we hear a little bit of that or? It's going to be in French, right? That's okay. So, um, let me think of something to say. Big Swola, je pense que t'as fait une grosse erreur. En t'attaquant à moi parce que je suis une dentiste. Je suis un modèle. So that's what I would do. Um, man, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. And that's I, really very good. I know. Because that's very good. I, I was always shy about it. Like, uh, should I be the show with my partner or, you know, there's a, I have problems finding the balance, the right balance between the two. Um, it but people, like you know, come back. Is, yeah. People come back to the show also for that. So I swore myself I would never do it. And now I'm starting to do it. People in France, they love it. So I'm, yeah, pretty much. Well, I mean, I don't think you're taking too much away. I think you're enhancing what Britt mm -hmm. Baker's already doing because that is what she's doing. I mean, she's, when she turned heel whenever she did earlier this year, I mean, it was really yeah. like, whoa, this is really funny. Mm. This is good. Mm. Where was this? And mm. I think if you can translate it and keep that feeling and nuance, I, I got the feeling, I don't know about the language, but I got the feeling for sure. Mm. Yeah, that was yeah. awesome. I'm happy it's, caught on. It's difficult for me because I'm the baby face announcer. Because yeah, in France, we have to keep it that way. That's really important. Babyface and heel. People so can you explain how it's set up on AEW? So you're the babyface and you're with your partner and how does yeah. he act? Like a Bobby he, Heenan style or? He has a really unique style because when he starts, people are like, he, he's really soft-spoken, even on the air. He's not, I'm shouting everywhere, like <laughs> cliche. Oh, welcome to Dynamite, blah, blah. And he's like, yeah, welcome to the show. Blah, blah. And it, there's contrast in our stars and voices. At first, people were not used to it, so they were like, he is not, they thought it was not good because he was, he's not a lively announcer. Like, he's in, his role, we announce him as the statistician and analyst, so when there's a big match, he lists all the numbers, all the matches that the wrestlers had before fighting, say they're uh, 12 victories to eight, blah, 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 and we build up from here to keep it sports-like, to, to keep it sporty, right? Right. Um, and when he's doing his 
heel gimmick, he is really funny because he's cynical. He's really cynical, calling John Moxley a car thief, things like that. No, uh, saying that there's, um, I do say complot in, in English. There's, um, oh my God, um, conspiracies and all this. So he's not like a Bobby Heenan. He, he doesn't have one-liners that you remember, but the atmosphere that he creates is the one of a really cynical guy. And I have to be a liar as well, because sometimes he's right about the heels, you know, sometimes he's right. And I know it. So I've got to lie to people as a baby face to keep the baby faces, baby faces, but people like it because they know that, um, I, I didn't want to be the cliche, you know, goody two shoes, baby face. Right. It's a different era now. You know, everybody knows social media, internet, whatever people know what's going on. So I cannot be like Gorilla Monsoon used to be, for example, right. kind of be that kind of guy. I, I, I would lie blatantly to keep the baby faces strong sometimes. And that creates a fun, you know, dynamic between us. I'd like to get some subtitles someday and watch. <laughs> okay, so All Out is going to be on September 5th. And in yeah. France, it's going to be on Fight TV. Yes. So be. do you have any predictions on the main event or any of the other matches that come to mind? What are you thinking? Uh, I don't know, man. Uh, I have no idea what they're going to do with the gauntlet match. Because as we're recording this, Dynamite still hasn't aired with the gauntlet match. So... Uh, I would not, I was not expecting a, a Young Bucks FTR confrontation so early. Um, right, yeah, that was kind of early. That's my favorite, expected, yeah. Yeah, that's my favorite storyline of the year. The whole triangle tag team storyline, it's really great. And I think Omega and Adam Pitch so good. Now, I can't stand people going like, Kenny Omega is not what he used to be. Man, he's doing such a great work storyline-wise. He's awesome, man. And... As far as All Out goes, I'm pretty sure Moxley will retain. Uh, MJF goes in still undefeated, so it's going to be just one loss after that. So it's, I guess the champion, so he's safe. I think there's no reason to protect him at all. I think Moxley's going to win. I'm pretty sure Omega's going to be the next champion. That's my prediction uh, in the future. Um, I think that that match will be awesome. I think there'll be a little bit of over, overbooking, just just enough. I'm I'm predicting a Waterloo face turn. Really? All Soon yeah. or at all out? At all or out. At all? Okay. Yeah, okay. I think. I think. We, Very can, interesting. How come? If you pay attention to details, sometimes when MJF, those, those past few weeks when MJF is in a bad situation, a bad predicament, he just smiles like he's got a little squirt, like, hmm. When MJF... When MJF couldn't ruin the title match between Moxley and and Darby, he was you know blowing a gasket backstage, and Immortal was like, hmm, hmm, hmm. So I know, I'm thinking, I'm thinking maybe Wardle. I love this that wrestler. He's awesome. Wardle's great. It's very interesting to hear your perspective because you might <laughs> interpret the facial expression a different way, but it totally could be that I, mm. I, I noticed his smirk, but I wasn't, mm. I didn't put it together like that. So mm. it's good. Thank you for giving us that new insight. I, it's no cool worries. that we can connect easily and kind of spread that perspective. Yep. Yeah. Because I, I, I will not blame anyone for not noticing because as the announcer, I have my eyes are everywhere on the screen. Like I cannot miss anything. I'm doing my best to watch everyone. That's how the job's done. I think so. It's not a hard, you know, it's hard to be an announcer because speaking all the time is tiresome. It, not tiresome. It, uh, there's a lot of fatigue involved in the end. Like one hour and a half of announcing is you know, 
exhausted afterwards. But I mean, mental I mean, come on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, come on. It's a dream job. I, I can, you know, put an extra effort in trying to notice the details and just what I'm here for. I, well, I hope things clear up in the world and you can make it to the States someday oh, to call AEW Live. I think that, let's keep the faith. I think we'll be yes. okay. Hopefully in the next so. couple of years. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> okay, so are there any plugs? you want to talk about anything coming up for you? Uh, I know you have a Twitch channel. You want to talk about your Twitch channel? That's exactly. For that. Yes, I have a Twitch channel. If any uh, listener speaks French, I have a Twitch channel called twitch.tv slash tonton feuillant. That's uncle feuillant in French. Um, that's T-O-N-T-O-N-F-E-U-I-L-L-A-N. Uh, I do Q and A's on Twitch and I, um, I do quiz on Twitch as well. Uh, I pretty damn sure I got the best pro wrestling quiz going in French on the whole internet. No, really? Can we get any example yet. questions? I do, I, I invent in the game called Lanny Puffo where um, I think about a wrestler and you have to guess it um, or her uh, with questions to which I only answer by yes or no. Uh, and there are forbidden questions. Is he or she alive or dead? Is he or she part of the Hall of Fame? Uh, and many forbidden questions. I do um, a game called, uh, it's called Lanny Puffo because the only time I lost was with Lanny Puffo. I, Yes. <laughs> uh, there's a game called Chris Jericho because it's a list where I ah. announce a theme like for example every Canadian champion in WWE history and people have to uh, quote name um, and make the list and if they wrong once they're eliminated uh, lots of games like that uh, there's a championship that's being defended right now uh, it's uh, really funny if you speak French I encourage you to subscribe of course, and follow twitch.tv slash Tonton Fouillon. Thanks for letting me plug that in. Of course. Thank you, mm -hmm. Uncle Fouillon. Thank you. <laughs> thank, you. Uh, thank you so much. This is great. And I hope uh, people right. can uh, get at you and learn from uh, what's going on over in France. I want to thank Norbert for jumping on and uh, also to Justin for, for doing the interview. I thought it was a really, really cool thing. So... Um, you know, for uh, for Justin and John, I'm Double G. We will see you when we see you. Peace out. All right, we cannot end this show without talking about our friends at Bet Online. It's playoff season. NBA and NHL are playing for the gold, and our partners at Bet Online have you covered. Get in on all the action, including a new NBA bracket contest with plenty of choices to win. MLB season is pushing into the fall, and the trade deadline is today, as of uh, as if you're listening to this on Monday. And there's no shortage of ways to bet with hundreds of odds, futures, and props. So take advantage of the return of sports, and remember, the casino never closes. Check it out all day, all night. Go to betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your welcome bonus. That's betonline.ag, promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts.